So today's daf is Tzaditet in Masechet Eruvin. We are on Tzadichet, Amud Bet. There's a Mishnah at the bottom of the uh, Amud. It looks to be about uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 lines from the bottom. Omeid Adam Rabim. A person could be standing in the Rishut HaYachid and leaning over into the Rishut HaRabim and moving things around, and that's okay. We're not concerned. We don't make a gzera that he uh, might bring the items into the Rishut where he's standing. Uh, similarly, he could be standing in Rishut HaRabim and manipulating objects in the Rishut HaYachid. As long as he doesn't move anything for Amot in the Rishut HaRabim, the fact that he's standing in Rishut HaYachid, we don't care. We're not worried that he's going to move the item from Rishut HaRabim to Rishut HaYachid, even though he's standing in a different Rishut. A person should not stand in Rishut HaYachid and urinate into the Rishut HaRabim. It's also considered transferring from Rishut HaYachid to Rishut HaRabim. Rishut HaRabim Rishut HaYachid. Similarly, standing in the Rishut HaRabim and, and urinating into Rishut HaYachid. The person should not, uh, should not spit from one Rishut to the other. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Av Similarly, if a person has collected saliva in their mouth, he shouldn't walk for Amot until he spits it out. He shouldn't walk carrying the saliva in his mouth. So that's even that's considered to be transferring from Rishut HaRabim to Rishut HaYachid. Now the Gemara says, Matnei Rabbi Chinana Bar Shalom Yah, Lechiyah Barav, Kamei One time Rabbi Chinana Bar Shalom was teaching Chiyah Barav in front of Rav. In other words, he was tutoring Rav's son and Rav was there. Uh, and he said, Lo yamod adam He had a different version of the Mishnah. Instead of it saying that you're allowed to stand in one Rishut and move objects in the other Rishut, you're allowed to stand in the Rishut and move, them and move objects in the Rishut HaRabim and vice versa. Instead of saying that, he said the opposite. He said, you're not allowed to. So, Are you leaving the opinion of the rabbis and following Rabbi Meir? In other words, we're going to see later in a Mishnah that comes up in a little bit, in another couple of Dapim, that Rabbi Meir is of the opinion that this is not true, that you cannot stand in one Rishut and, and, and do something in another Rishut because we're concerned that you're going to bring things into the Rishut that you're standing. So I said, why are you amending our Mishnah to fit with Rabbi, Rabbi Meir instead of, um, instead of leaving it as it is in front of us that it's uh, following the Chachamim? So he said, So what was his reasoning? He thought that since the upcoming Mishnah and Daf Kuf Aleph, I believe it is, is going to follow Rabbi Meir, so this also followed Rabbi Meir. In other words, he thought that the Mishnah here should, needed to be uh, uh, reconciled with the upcoming Mishnayot, which are re- representing the view of Rabbi Meir. So he taught it in accordance with the teaching of Rabbi Meir. But it's not true. Our Mishnah is supposed to be left as is. Our Mishnah is representing the view of the rabbis, not of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir has a more stringent view that if you're standing on Rashut. You can't manipulate things in another Rashut because there's a possibility that you'll move those things into the Rashut that you are standing, uh, but the Chachamim are not worried about that. As long as you don't move the items, in other words, even though you're standing in Rashut HaYachid, you can manipulate things that are in Rashut HaRabim, but don't move them more than four Amot, obviously. And, and, and don't bring things into your Rashut, obviously. So it says, ha So the implication is, that if you do move the object for Amot, Rashi says, Even though we're assuming here, for some reason he's assuming, the Gemara is assuming that the person is standing in an elevated position, and the item is in the other Rashut, and he's going to move it for Amot, in other words, he's, gonna, he, he's standing in an elevated position, let's say in a window, maybe that's the reason why they're assuming that. You're standing from a window, you reach out the window into the Rashut Rabim, you move something for Amot over, you're, still, you're going to be Chayav. 
Now, how sh- why is that? Lema misayel le Rava. This seems to support the view of Rava. Damar Rava hamavir chavetz mitchilat arba lesof arba veavir derech alav chayav. We learned about this yesterday that if a person carries something, we've seen this before many times. If a person carries something for amot in Rishut Rabim, but they carry it high. In other words, even though the the, the real airspace of Rishut Rabim is only up to ten uh, ten tvachim, but so if the person technically, if a person lifted something in Rishut Rabim and he carried it like this. We could say it didn't really travel in Rishut Rabim. Now he walks for Amot and he puts it down. It didn't really travel in Rishut Rabim. It only traveled above Rishut Rabim. Should be okay. But it says no. Rav says that you're still liable because you picked it up in the Rishut Rabim and you put it down for Amot later in Rishut Rabim. So this seems to support that because even though you're reaching out, let's say from your up elevated window and you lift something that's in the Rishut Rabim and you move it for Amot in the Rishut Rabim while you're standing in the Rishut Rabim and you you carried it above the airspace of the Rishut Rabim, still you're liable. So that supports Rava. So it says, Mi katani imotzi chayav chatat. Well, first of all, you're reading into the Mishnah. It doesn't actually say that if you did that, if, that if you reach from the window and you move the item for Amot, that you're going to be liable for a korban chatat. It never said that. Dilma imotzi patur Maybe it's just telling you you're not allowed to do that. Maybe it's not saying that you're chayav chatat. Maybe Rava's wrong. Maybe it's not true. Maybe when I transfer something in Rishut HaRabim, it has to all be within the airspace of the Rishut HaRabim. And we don't agree with Rava. But the only thing is that we're, talking, that we're saying that you're still not allowed to do it. Everybody agrees with that. Igadami, another, another version of this, went the opposite way. That originally they read the Mishnah to mean that if you do are standing in the Rishut HaYachid and you move something in the Rishut HaRabim, that Patur HaValasur, actually it's Isur de Rabbanan. And that would make it a contradiction to Rava, because the Mishnah would then be understood to say that if you lift an item in the Rishut HaRabim and you transfer it over the airspace of Rishut HaRabim and put it down, that you are not liable, and that would be a contradiction to Rava. But again, because Rava said that it doesn't matter that the item traveled through the airspace of Rishut uh, above the Rishut HaRabim, you're still liable. And our Mishnah would be saying the opposite. So again, does our Mishnah actually comment on what the outcome would be if the person moved the item in the Rishut HaRabim? It never says. It just says you shouldn't do it. It just says you're allowed to manipulate things in the Rishut HaRabim while you're standing in the Rishut HaYachid. Don't move them for Amot. It doesn't say what the liability level would be. So therefore we say, it could very well be that if you did so, you would be liable, just like Rava says. In other words, the basic point of the Gemara is that you can't determine from this Mishnah whether Rava is right or not. You can't use this Mishnah as a proof of Rava, and you can't use it as a disproof of Rava, because even if we assume that this Mishnah is talking about where you are standing at a, from in a, at a window in the Rishut HaYachid, and therefore where you lift the item in the Rishut HaRabim, it's traveling over the airspace of Rishut HaRabim, even if you assume that, and you know you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to move the item for Amot in the Rishut HaRabim, even though you're standing in Rishut HaYachid and you're reaching over. It doesn't matter. It doesn't say in the Mishnah whether that is a biblical liability, Chayav Chatat, that you would have to bring Korban Chatat, or whether it's only rabbinically prohibited. It doesn't say that. So we can't determine that Rava is right from this Mishnah, and we can't determine that he's wrong, because he's going very far in saying that you're biblically liable, that it's, an, that it's a, you're Chayav Chatat. We can't prove either way from this Mishnah, whether that is true or, uh, or false, because it doesn't tell us the level of liability. It just tells us that you're not allowed to do it. Now the Gemara goes on and says, Lo adam You're not supposed to uh, urinate from Rishut HaYachid to Rishut HaRabim. Okay? If the person did so, he spits from the Rishut HaYachid to Rishut HaRabim, or urinates from Rishut HaYachid to Rishut HaRabim, he's going to be liable. What about the fact that normally you have to lift something off of a place that is four by four tfachim? You have to have a you have to have a significant space, and you don't. It's coming out of your body. There's no. It's not resting on a large surface. 
or your mouth or whatever. So the rule is, and we see this also with the hand. The hand, even though the hand is not four by four tvachim, by definition, because it's tevach is this, not four by four tvachim. We still say because since the hand is something that a person considers chashuv, it's considered makom chashuv. It's considered an important, a significant place because off, you'll put a valuable item and hold it on your hand. You wouldn't put a value. The point is that you wouldn't put a valuable item on a very small surface because it could fall off. But your hand, you would put it in. So it's considered important. So to your mouth or your other parts of your body are considered important. Because if you don't say that, the halacha that we learned elsewhere is if the person throws an item and it lands in the mouth of a dog or in the opening in a furnace, we say he's liable. And over there also you don't have a four by four tefach opening because you have the mouth of the dog is small and the, ma- the opening in the furnace is small. So over there, what did we say in Masechet Shabbat when we learned that halacha? We learned that, uh, and there it says Rabbah instead of Rava, but that was towards the end of Masechet Shabbat. So when we learned, uh, we said that because he wants to throw it to the dog, that makes the mouth of the dog a significant place. He throws a bone to the dog, even though the dog's mouth is not... Four by four tfachim, since the guy wants it to land in the mouth of the dog, he's giving it importance. Just like if I want you to put it in my hand, I'm giving my hand importance. So, so to my mouth is important to me and my other body part is important. This is very graphic, but you know, if he's standing in Rishut right? But his organ that he's urinating with is, is extending into the Rishut Rabim, right? So the question is, don't, don't write any WhatsApps about this one, Mikey, okay? So Mao. So the question is, if we go by where the urine originates from, so he himself is standing in the Rishut HaYachid, which means to say that his uh, bladder is in the Rishut HaYachid. So from that perspective, it's coming from Rishut HaYachid to Rishut HaYachid. On the other hand, if you look at Makom Yitziah, you don't look at Makom HaKirah. Makom HaKirah means it comes from the bladder. Makom Yitziah, it's already out there. So he didn't actually move anything from Rishut HaYachid to Rishut HaYachid because that part that's exiting is already out in the Rishud Rabim and it leaves it as take We don't know. So the basic is to go to the bathroom, guys. Don't do this, okay? <laughs> so it says, don't spit. Rabbi Yehuda says, hey, if you even collect saliva in your mouth, don't walk for Amot with it in the Rishud Rabim. And that's true, even if you didn't swirl it around in your mouth. It just collected in there. But we learned in a Mishnah, if a person is eating like these fig uh, cakes with dirt, with hands that he has not done the Tilat Yadayim, but the thing is that they never had become wet. So they weren't, they weren't capable of becoming tummy. Now they, nowadays, I mean, we wash fruit all the time. But I guess, you know, then they would just take the fruit and they would eat it. If it never touched liquid from the time it was detached. Yeah. Right? So it can't become tummy. So he put it in his mouth eating it. But he didn't wash his hands. But but then he puts his finger into his mouth to take a rock out because he realized there was a pebble on the, on the uh, fruit. He wants to take it out or whatever. Maybe there's something between his teeth. I don't know. And he touches it. So Rabbi Meir, Meir, Rabbi Meir says because he put the fig in his mouth and it already touched the saliva in his mouth. So it becomes like something that touched water. Right? And we're talking here specifically, it says Shel Trumara, she says. It has to be talking about Trumara because regular food actually cannot become Tamei from, uh, from Sheni Letumah. The hands are Sheni Letumah all the time. Okay, so really it can't, it's called, so therefore it cannot, it would have to be that he's eating trumah here. Um, and the point is that it can be, so the person had like figs or whatever, and he gave these figs, separated these figs as trumah. And the, and the Kohen, I guess, goes to eat it. 
And uh, and then he realizes he has something is stuck in his teeth or whatever it was, and he puts his hand in. So Rabbi Meir says that the saliva now makes that fig mekabel tuma. Now you touched it. Rabbi Yosi Metayer. Rabbi Yosi says no. The saliva, Rashi says, kozman sharog betochpiv lav mashkehu. As long as the saliva is in your mouth, it's like your body. It's not considered a separate liquid. It's just like your body. So he doesn't regard it. Rabbi Yehuda is in, in the in between. If the person swirled around the saliva in his mouth, in other words, he collected it in his mouth to wet his mouth, you know, sometimes you'll collect your saliva in your mouth in order to spit, spit something out or whatever. So then it will be, it's considered a separate liquid. But if it's just the saliva that's in your mouth normally when you're eating, that's not a separate liquid. So it's somewhere in between. But you see that he only considers it a separate item when you swirl it around to collect it on purpose. Right? So, whereas in our Mishnah, he says if you walk with the saliva, even the natural saliva that collected without swishing it around, it's already considered to be a, uh, a, a separate liquid. So, Amar B'Yohanan, Mukhlefet HaShita. Now, normally, Mukhlefet HaShita means that we're reversing two opinions. But here, we're not saying we're reversing two opinions. Rashi is saying that Rabbi Yehuda changed his opinion. In other words, initially, he thought that even just the liquid, even just the saliva that naturally collects in your mouth. Then he said, no, if only if you swish it around, do you do something consciously to separate it and to collect it, is it going to be considered a separate liquid? You could enough to say that. You could say that, that, uh, that, that Rabbi Yochanan, I'm sorry, that Rabbi Yehuda never changed his mind about saliva. Here we're talking about phlegm, not saliva. Phlegm is different than saliva. You, you clear your throat, you have phlegm, right? That's different. Ve'atani, but we learned in a brighter. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Rabbi Yehuda said that if you have phlegm and it became detached, you can't walk for amot until you spit it out. My love walk v'nitlash. Doesn't that mean the same thing? Whether it's phlegm or saliva, if it became detached, in other words, if it collected in the mouth, all of a sudden you need to. Uh, uh, you have to spit it out before you walk. It says, lo, kichovenitlash, only the case of phlegm. But saliva is different. Saliva, you have to swish it around in order to make it something, a separate liquid. Ve'atani, but then we learned Rabbi Yehuda, omer kichovenitlash, v'chen hukoshenitlash. He specifically said phlegm or saliva. Lo, yalech da'ad amot ha'jerog. You can't walk for amot until you spit it out. Ela machvata kedeshanim ha'ikara. Rather, it's clearer like we originally said. In other words, the person who uh, collects saliva deliberately by swishing it around... That was his final uh, decision. In other words, initially he thought, uh, initially he was more, um, uh, he had the idea that, uh, that, he, uh, that uh, saliva of any kind. And then he ch- later on he revised his, uh, his opinion and he said that you actually have to move the saliva around in your mouth deliberately to swish it around to make it a separate uh, substance. And, uh, li- but he, so he, he changed his mind is the point. Amar Shlakish, Shlakish says, Kiach Rabo, if a person collects phlegm in front of his teacher, he's liable for the death penalty. It says that all those who ha- that, uh, hate Hashem or hate me, it's really talking about hating. Uh, uh, with that, that, uh, uh, that pasuk is really talking about uh, wisdom, the wisdom of Hashem. It's in Mishlei, right? Somebody who hates me uh, loves death. So it says, Al-Tikai don't read it as those who hate me, but those who cause me to be hated. In other words, someone who treats the Torah disrespectfully causes it to be viewed with disdain in the eyes of other people. And uh, that, w- that would be a person who, who like, clears their phlegm in front of their teacher. Veha menis anis. So what, what, what do you mean? That's, it's against your... Uh, what, what can you do? 
right? It's, it, you're, you're not feeling good. You have a cold. You have, uh, you have uh, congestion. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> says, no, that's it. We're talking about We're talking about somebody who collects a phlegm and then spits it out in front of the teacher. That's very disrespectful. You spit it out. You know, back then they would spit on the floor all the time. Spit on the floor of the synagogue. Very co- a lot of halachot talk about that. Nowadays we don't do that. It's not considered appropriate. But... They used to do it all the time, and so therefore that would be considered disrespectful. The Mishnah says, So this, a person should not stand in the Rishut HaYachid and drink in the Rishut HaRabim. There's water, let's say, in the Rishut HaRabim. He's going to drink. Similarly, to stand in the Rishut HaRabim and drink in the Rishut Unless he enters his head and most of his body into the area where he's going to drink. So let's say there's a water fountain in the Rishut HaYachid and you want to lean over. You have to make sure that your head and most of your body is in the area that you're drinking uh, and not in a different Rishut. Right? And so it's true about a wine press. What that means we're going to see in a minute. So the Gemara says, so it seems, first of all, that the beginning is the rabbis and the end is Rabbi Meir. She says, The previous Mishnah said that you're allowed to stand in one Rashut and you're allowed to move things around in another Rashut. Right? That was according to the rabbis, right? And, and, uh, and we're going to see that that's like the rabbis, we're going to see later on that they talk about standing in one Rashut and opening a door. In another Rashut, Rabbi Meir is stricter, right? He says, don't think that here it's saying that drinking is a problem because you're drinking water that's in Rashut HaYachid and it goes in your body into the Rashut HaRabim. That's not the problem. The problem is that we're worried that you're actually going to take the item and you're going to move it into the Rashut that you are. So before it said there was no problem. You could stand in one Rashut and move things around in another Rashut. No problem. So why here are we going with the idea that you're not allowed to stand in one Rashut unless you put your, most of your body into the, into the Rashut where you are drinking? So Amar Rav Yosef, everybody agrees on this because it's things that you need. In other words, it means like this, that if you are moving stuff around in the Rashut Rabim, let's say you are standing in the Rashut Rabim and you see in your house things are disorganized on the table. So you, move some, you, you reach in the window and you move something over or you move something this way. You're not, you don't need the item. You just want to organize something. That's not, you don't want it. So that's okay. Or vice versa. You, you're, you see that uh, you're standing inside. You see that uh, something was left outside and it fell down. So you, you want to pick it up or uh, something's tangled. You, und- whatever. You're moving it around, but you don't want it. You just want to fix the thing that's in that Rashut. That's okay. But if you need the thing, like here, you want the water. So if you start drinking, maybe you're going to bring it into the Rashut, whether you're collecting it in your hands, whether you're collecting it in a cup, that's, whatever. You might bring it into the Rashut you're standing because you want the water right right now. It's not that you just want to move stuff. Wanting to move stuff is okay, but needing the item, when you need the item, we're worried you might transfer it into your own Rashut. So now you buy the whole Carmelite might. What about a Carmelite? Now we saw actually this exact discussion of a Sechet Shabbat towards the beginning. What if you are leaning from a Rashut Rabim into a Carmelite? It's not actually a Rashut HaYachid. Or you're leaning from a Rashut HaYachid into a Carmelite. It's not actually a Rashut HaRabim. So what's the deal in that case? So Amar Abayahihi. Abay says the same thing. It doesn't make a difference. We make the same Zerah that just like you can't stand in a Rashut HaYachid and lean into a Rashut HaRabim to drink unless most of your body is in that Rashut HaRabim. And just like you can't lean from a Rashut HaRabim into a Rashut HaYachid and drink unless most of your body is in the Rashut HaYachid, you also can't lean from a Rashut HaYachid or Rashut HaRabim into a Carmelite or vice versa. It's treated the same as we normally treat it as a separate Rashut. Amar Ravah says, no, he kufa that itself, not carrying in a Carmelite, is itself a gzera, it's itself a rabbinic 
decree that we might get confused. So now we're going to make a double gzera. In other words, Rashi says, if you if you were actually to bring the cup from the Carmelite into the Rashut Ayichit, or to bring the cup from the Rashut Ayichit to the Carmelite, or to bring the cup from the Rashut Rabim to the Carmelite, or from the Carmelite to the Rashut Rabim, in any of those cases, because you're dealing with Carmelite and you're not really dealing with a Rashut Ayichit or Rashut Rabim for sure, a real one, so therefore it's only rabbinic. And now you're going to say. If you actually just went and took the cup from the Rashut Rabim and carried it to the Carmelite, or from the Rashut Ayichid to the Carmelite, or whatever, right? As long as Carmelite is the other uh, is the other domain you're dealing with, it's all rabbinic. So now you're going to make a gzera that you can't lean over from one Rashut to a Carmelite or from a Carmelite to one of the Rashuyot because maybe you'll bring the cup. Even if I do, it's only rabbinic. That's called gzera le gzera. That's called making a double gzera. You're not supposed to do that. Amar Abaye, Abaye says, no, I'll tell you, how I know that here we make an exception, because there are some exceptions to Gzerah, in the cases where it was the, where the assumption is that it's all one concept, that if you're not consistent, then the, the original Gzerah won't stand. Like, uh, like, for example, chicken and milk, we apply everything with chicken and milk, like we do meat and milk, because if a person makes dif- distinctions, then it will not, it will not hold. Right? So he says, Mina, Mina la, where do I get this from? Look at the end of the Mishnah. It said, just like it comes to drinking water, also with a wine press. If you want to drink wine from the wine press, you need to lean over and make sure your head and most of your body is over the wine press. And what is a wine press? It's a Carmelite. So therefore, you see that it's saying also a Carmelite is the same thing. So it says, Rava, Rava says, No. The halacha of the Carmelite, I'm sorry, the halacha of the gut of the wine press has nothing to do with the Shabbat. It's talking about, it's talking about halachot of maaser. Vechen amar Rav Sheshet, vechen begat l'inyan maaser. And so did Rav Sheshet say, that vechen begat, it's not saying halacha. This is an interesting thing. The question is when it says vechen begat, what is the vechen going on? So Abaye is interpreting it as also a halacha of Shabbat. That just like you're not allowed to lean over and drink in a reshut other than the one you're standing in, you also can't lean over and drink in the, in the gut because it's a Carmelite. Or you can't lean from the gut into one of the reshayot because you're, you're, it's a Carmelite. They're saying, no, 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 it's not a halachav Shabbat. It's telling you that there are certain halachot that pertain when you're drinking on the wine press itself with regard to maaser that don't apply once you take the wine off the wine press. And it's saying just like the halacha here. That you're considered to be fully in the reshut where you're drinking, as long as your head and most of your body are leaning over, you're considered fully in that reshut. So too, the halachav maser that says that you have to be on the wine press means that your head and most of your body are leaning on the wine press. Now, what is that halacha where it's relevant if you're on the wine press? It's not. Shotin alagat ben rechamin ben bitzonet. Rabbi Meir says you can drink on the wine press itself, whether you mix with hot or cold water. Because remember, they would take undiluted very, very uh, potent, strong wine out of the thing, and they would put it in water, either hot water, I can never imagine hot wine, but they, I guess they had that, hot water or cold water, right? And Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Eliezer Bar Tzadok, Mechayev, Rabbi Eliezer Bar Tzadok says, no, even then you're liable, and Chachamim say, if you mix it with hot water, you're liable, and if you mix it with cold water, you're exempt, because you're going to return, if you mix it with cold water, you can still pour it back. If you, whatever you have left over, you can still pour it back in. If you mix it with hot water, you can't pour it back in. What are they talking about here? They're talking about the issue of maaser, that there was no maaser taken from this wine yet. So normally the halacha is that if you eat achilat aray or shtiat aray, 
You eat what's considered or drink what's considered to be a not a significant amount. You snack a little bit. So there's no obligation yet to, uh, to separate the maser. Once you walk off the wine press, once you walk off the gut, so now already you separated that thing, you have to take maser. But as long as you're on there, it's still like casual. You're just taking a little taste out of the pot. It's not a, it's not a, you're not done yet with the, with, with the wine press. So you're not really like finished. So you don't have to separate uh, maser before you take that little snack. That's a usual concept of a snack. <laughs> that you're supposed not... to take the ma- give the maser before you put it in the press? No. You take it from the wine. After? Yeah, you give wine. You give this wine. Yeah, you give it as wine. Uh, if you were just going to be eating grapes, plain grapes, then you would give it as grapes. But if you're making it as wine, you wait till the wine is finished and you give a barrel of wine or whatever to the coin okay. or to, you know, to Levi. So in the case of the, uh, here we're talking about how there's a halacha that you didn't fulfill your obligation yet, but, it, but since you're just eating a, a snack, so you don't have to, you're allowed to eat a snack before you take the maser. Um, you're, it only, it's only a problem if you eat what's called achilat uh, keva. You eat like a significant amount. Now, the rule is that if you're on the gut, this is what Rabbi Meir said. Rabbi Meir said if you're standing on the gut, even if you decide to mix, that you take a hot water and you mix some of that wine in the hot water, as long as you're on the wine press, you're good. Okay? According to, the, according to Rabbi Eliezer, you always have to take the maser. Once you take some out of there, you always have to take the maser. Uh, even if you're on the wine press. The rabbis <laughs> say if you're on the wine press, it, if you're on the wine press and you mix it with cold water... Since whatever's left over, you could pour it back in, right? So it's okay. But, it's, but if you mix it with hot water, you're showing that you're, you're making something distinct from the, uh, from the wine press because you could never pour that back in. So therefore, you have to take maaser before you drink it. But the point is that is isn't so much about that halakha. The point is that in that halakha as well, there's a concept of al-hagat. The person who's shoteh al-hagat. And that's why our Mishnah is saying, V'chen begat, that just like the halacha of drinking in a reshut other than the one you're standing in, it says that you have to have your head and most of your body over the place where you're drinking. So too, when it says, Shotin al-hagat, it doesn't mean you're standing on the wine press. It means that you're leaning over with your head and most of your body are over the wine press. You're showing that you don't mean to take out of the wine press and to bring it home. You're just having a quick snack. You're leaning over the wine press as you drink. That means your head and your body are over the wine press. But it has nothing to do with halachot of Shabbat. It just has to do with another halacha where leaning your head and most of your body over an area is considered like being in that area. That's all. That's all. Yeah. Now the Mishnah says, Kolet adam mina maschila, lematam yudfachim, mina tzinor mikol makom shoteh. What it means is like this. So they had two kinds of drains off of their roofs. Their roofs were flat. One type of drain was a horizontal drain, okay? The horizontal drain goes along the length of the roof, okay? And then you have something that's more similar to the drains that we have today, which it goes downwards away from the roof. And now you have a picture here, right? If it goes along the roof, that's along the roof, it's, it's, it's parallel to the roof and it's near the roof. Then you have one that comes down and curves around. That's called tsinor, they call it. Tsinor is one that comes down and curves around. You see? Gutter. That's not about it. Like it's a gutter. What do they call this? Leader. A leader? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I didn't know they had a word for that. Okay. Which I just said... The one coming down? Yeah. Which one, is the, which one is the one coming down? Leader. It's called the leader. And the one that goes across is called gutter. gutter? Okay. Oh, good. I'll end up in... I just called them, bo- just called them both gutter. I don't know. Okay. Um, so anyway, the point is that if it's the one that's close to the roof, the gutter, we're going to call it the maschila. So it says... If it's lower than ten tefachim, you can grab water, meaning you can you can hold a cup and you can you can take the water from there and you can you can use it or drink it, I guess, if they want to drink the rainwater. But the, you you could do that. 
because you're not considered to be taking from Rishut HaYechid to Rishut HaRabim, even though you're standing in Rishut HaRabim, because it's going to fall down. You're standing in Rishut HaRabim, and the water already fell into the Rishut HaRabim. You're catching it, right? But you can't put your hand up to the actual opening of that, uh, what's called the Maschila, because then you're basically taking it from the Rishut HaYechid, because as long as it's in that gutter, it's really considered still part of the roof, and it's taking it from the Rishut HaYechid to Rishut HaRabim. Okay, but the Tzinor that comes down already, away from the house... So it's already when it comes out in Rishut Rabim. So you could even, it says, Mikol Makom Shoteh. You could even put something right up to the opening of that and take the water because it's already in the Rishut Rabim and you're in the Rishut Rabim, is the assumption. So it's okay. Now the Gemara says, Kolet Erval Mitzaref. Lo, Mitzaref means to hold the vessel or your hand right up against the thing. It doesn't mean you're actually attaching it to the uh, gutter, but it means that you're holding your hand to there or you're holding the cup to there. You can't do that. We're talking about where this gutter is within three tfachim of the roof, and therefore it's considered It's considered the roof itself because it's within three tfachim, and therefore you're basically taking it from the roof, and the roof is a rishut because it has walls around it. You know, it's the top of the house. Tanya and Amiyachi we learned similarly. Rashi has this version. Some have rishut rabim as the version. Okay, so Rashi has this as the girsa. Says the person could be standing in a shutayachid, lift his hand up ten tvachim to less than three tvachim close to the, uh, to according to Rashi, it means the neighbor's roof, okay? And he can let the water fall into his hand, but he cannot put his kli up to it. Now, what's the reason? According to Rashi, the way that he, according to his version, which is the one we have in our Gemara, the problem is an issue of eruvei. Chatserot, that you're not allowed to bring from one house to the other because they don't have an Erovei Chatserot. So if something is on your, uh, is on the neighbor's gutter, is in the neighbor's gutter, and you put your <laughs> item right, your cup right up to the gutter to collect the water, you're basically taking from his house to your house. Okay? You wouldn't be allowed to do that. Now, of course, the, the Mepharshim point out, well, what about Rabbi Shimon that said gagot from roof to roof is always okay? It's, uh, you know, that's a whole other thing. But, uh, but the point is, you'd be taking it. However, if it's already falling down into the shared area of the chatzar, you could catch it. Right? That would be okay. Similarly, Same thing. You're allowed to stand in Rishut Echid, lift your hand up, ten Tvachim, close to the roof of your friend. Don't put your kli, your vessel, your hand right up to his gutter, but you can hold it here. Kolet means you can catch the falling water, and that's okay. Now, the point is that that's according to Rashi. The other, the other uh, manuscripts, the other versions say that, no, Rishut HaRabim. In other words, the person's not standing in Rishut HaYechid and catching from another roof. He's standing in Rishut HaRabim and catching from the roof. And that fits with exactly what our Mishnah is saying. Instead of introducing the idea of neighboring uh, gagot. But in any case, it says you can always catch from the, what do we call it, leader it's called? Right? You can always catch from that because it comes down. The only thing is, if it is something which is four by four, in other words, it has a large opening. It's, it's wide, it has, right? So then you're not allowed to put a uh, uh, put your vessel up, right up to it. Why? Because it is like a Carmelit now. Because since it is lower than 10 Tvachim, and it is it has 4 by 4 Tvachim, so now it's like its own Rashut. It's like a Carmelit. And if you put your hand right up to it, 
you're basically taking from the Karmalit into the Rishut Arabim or into the Rishut Ayachid. So in that case, if it dripped out into the Rishut Arabim and you caught it, you'd be okay because it's already out, but you wouldn't be allowed to take it directly from there. If it's smaller than 4 by 4 Tvachim, so it's not an issue at all because it's like Makom Petur. It's an area that all is insignificant. Under 4 by 4. Now I would assume, yeah, but, but maybe maybe huh? Four tefachim is thirty-two centimeters. It's huge. That's a, it's a large range. Right, it would be very big. Right, so I must say most people would not have uh, would not have such a large. Uh, right, maybe maybe some people lived in very rainy areas. Who knows, you know? But yeah, you're right. I mean, most of the time you wouldn't have that. Uh, you wouldn't have that issue. You know, like uh, I remember in Bermuda, they said that people drink the rainwater. They they have. Um, I think I forget what it is on their roofs, and they they actually that purifies the rainwater, and then they collect it and they drink it, you know. So um, they they had like I forget what the substance was that they had on the roofs, but they they have stuff on the roof that they collect water. So they might have like very large, you know, things to, to because of collecting water. In any case, the Mishnah says. <laughs> If you have a hole in the Rishut HaRabim, and typically this hole contains water, right? And and the sides of it, the, the, the bank of the, uh, of the hole, goes up 10 Tvachim. If you have a window hanging over it, you can collect water from it on Shabbat. On the other hand, if you have a dump in the Rishut HaRabim, it's 10 Tvachim high. In other words, the issue is you want to dump or you want to take. So if you have a pit that has water and you want to take it, you're in a Rishut HaYachid in your house. The, 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 the pit with the water is Rishut HaYachid. It has a 10 Tvach uh, embankment over there so you can take the water from your window into your house and it's no problem On uh, similarly if there is a garbage heap that's very tall right under your window and you want to dump uh, stuff on Shabbat you're dumping from Rishut HaYechid to Rishut HaYechid it's no problem okay now Gemara says if this this hole that has water or this dump is right next to the right next to the window so so why does it need to be so tall in other words if it's right next to the window of the person the thing is that uh, we're assuming that already this pit is at least ten fachim deep. If it's a pit for collecting water, it's not so na- it's not so shallow, and there's nothing in between the pit and your house because it's close to your house. It's right under your. It's saying it's smucha, right? So then, what's the problem? Why shouldn't you be able to draw from it even if the embankment wasn't ten fachim high? Why do you need that? We're talking about a case where this opening, it has the water, this uh, bowl that has the water, is four tfachim away from the house. And therefore, you might be concerned that you're traveling over the Shutar Abim, basically, because there's a space there. You're traveling over the Shutar Abim to take the water from this pit, and then you're taking it above, and it's saying it's okay. The only reason why it's okay is because there is an imba- there is sand around it, or you know, there's a there is an embankment that goes up to ten Because if you if it wasn't that high, then this is the thing. In other words, the, the, if you had just this 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 water hole, and you draw from it, and then you pull up from there, and you're going like on an angle to your window. Right, so then what will happen is you're actually tra- you're taking from the Rishut Hayachid with that hole is the Rishut Hayachid. It's a deep hole, and you're lifting it up, and you don't have to lift it up that high. You're gonna ca- you're gonna swing it through the Rishut Arabim and then pull it up to your window. But if it has an embankment that's very high, right? So that means that you're gonna have to pull it upwards, and it's gonna be going over the Rishut Arabim into your house, and that's okay because once it goes ten over the ground level, it's not in the Rishut Arabim anymore. 
But if it if it were it didn't have an embankment that was ten tefachim high, so then when you take it out of the the pit, the water out of the pit, you're just going to pull it over horizontally towards your house, and it's going to go through the Rishut Rabim, and then you traveled through a Rishut Rabim from Rishut Yechid to Rishut Yechid, but through the Rishut Rabim, which you're not allowed to do. Even if the, okay? the water was at, at high in the, the pit over there? It doesn't, the pit itself is a Rishut Yechid. So if so you take... The bank is 10 feet... Uh, ten, that's ten why feet. it has to be 10 Tavachim high, so you have to pull it upwards when you take no, the water so out. The level of the water is already that, far, that, that high. But no, because the water is down here. You're in a window, the water is on the ground. Yeah. Right? So if you pull it up, you're going to pull it up and you're going to travel through the Rishut HaRabim to your house. That's the problem. Right? So Rabbi Yochanan, you don't even have to go that far. It might not, you might not need to invent a case where it's far away from the house. The Chidush here is not that, we're not talking about a pit that's far away from the house and you need the embankment to be tall so that you're forced to lift it up and it doesn't go through the Rishut HaRabim. That's not the reason. Even if this pit were right next to your house, the chidush here is that even though the pit is only five tfachim deep, and the embankment on the pit, right, the, around the pit is five tfachim tall, that makes it ten tfachim, meaning the pit itself doesn't have to be ten tfachim deep. You can combine whatever dirt was dug out of the pit and they put it around the pit, you can combine that to the height of the pit. So even though the pit itself that contains the water is only five tfachim, since it has a five tefach, um, additional height around it from the dirt, that counts as 10 Tfachim, and it wouldn't be considered taking from Rashut Rabim into Rashut Ayachid. It's considered to be a Rashut Ayachid. And that would be the Chidush in that case, as we saw earlier in this Gemara, actually, Ashpa Rashut Rabim. You have a dump in the Rashut Rabim. We're now worried. The concern is that right now this dump is 10 Tfachim tall, but what happens if uh, somebody's running for re election, so they need to clean up the streets or something like that, and they go and they clean out the dump? You know, and now all of a sudden you are not, and now it's not a Rishut HaYechid anymore. That happened when I, were, when I was a kid, on my dead end. There was a, <laughs> there was a, a, a pile of like leaves and com, like compo- compost basically of leaves that had grown really tall over the years that we lived there. Okay, we used to play on it as kids. You know, it was like a big mound at that end. And one day, like the, the uh, town supervisor or whatever was running for re-election and he was going from door to door and saying, what can I do? Like, you know, what do you need done? And my mom was like, see, this this has been piling for five, six, seven years. It's a huge thing of leaves. The next day they came and they took it out. It was running for re-election. It makes a difference, you know? Don't ask after yeah. the election. Exactly. That's why he asked before. <laughs> he, afterwards, forget it. Assuming the yeah. kids doesn't vote for him. Yeah. No, but yeah, we, we, we used to play in it. We had, a, we had this case before that, yeah. that if you have a mavoy, that one side is closed off by the ocean. In other words, it ends in the ocean. So that was the, the drop into the, into the water was the wall. Because you can have a wall, you can have a mechitza that's underground, meaning below ground level, because there's a, there's a drop-off. In other words, it's a cliff. One side went into the water. One side was ashpa, was a dump. Okay? And they went to Rabib. The question is, is this considered enclosed? Because on one side is water. Right? One side is water, so there, and, and meaning that when you go to the end of the Mavoy, it's a drop-off into the water, so nobody's going to go that way. And the other side is ashpa, it's a, it's a dump, so it's closed. It should be enclosed. And they said to him, He didn't want to say no, he didn't want to say yes. Right? He was worried that these situations can change. Why? Because somebody comes and cleans away the dump, and all of a sudden, it's cleared away and it's not closed. Or maybe the ocean will bring sediment up, or, you know, uh, 
uh, it will bring uh, slowly will will accumulate you know sand or whatever and it will it will it will actually become flatter over there right and there will be a space on the other side because right now maybe the end of the mavoy it goes straight downwards into the sea but as you know as sand and things like that accumulate uh, it could be that it will end up one day being an area that is not closed off anymore because you know that things change. And, 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 and so therefore he said he wasn't sure whether to say it was okay or not because since those things could change. So you see that, but you see here that not only are we worried about the natural changes of the erosion, it's the opposite of erosion because it's, you know, it's talking about the accumulation of the dirt, but also that the, the dump could be moved. And if the dump pile is moved, now all of a sudden it's not enclosed on that side anymore. So he was worried about saying it was okay because people get used to it being okay and then the situation changes they don't realize. So why are we not worried about that here? So it says, because... Um, where it says, He didn't want to say it's not allowed right now because right now there are mechitzot. He didn't want to say that it's, that it's allowed because once he says it's allowed, if the situation changes, people won't pay attention. So it says, so why are we not worried here that this person who's dumping their waste onto this, onto this uh, heap of, of junk... That's tent vachim high. Maybe it's going to be cleared away, or maybe it's going to be cle- part of, partly cleared away, and will be lower than tent vachim. So what will happen? So it says The difference is that a public dump, somebody might come actually clean it away. In other words, or or actually, it could be the opposite way, right? Yeah, he's saying the opposite that because it's a public dump, nobody will, will will clear it away, right? A private dump, it might get it might get cleared away by whoever actually owns it. Okay, so meaning if you're over the dump of the person. Who and, and I guess it's assuming that the, the homeowner himself is not his because it's, otherwise he would have control over it. But yeah, some whoever's dump that is down there that you're pouring onto, you don't know. Maybe one day the guy's going to clear it away. He's going to clean it away. A public one that's everyone's responsibility, they'll all realize that they can't move it away. But a private one where it's possible that the guy any day will clean it away, clear it away, and all of a sudden you won't realize and you'll be pouring your stuff into the Rishut HaRabim. It won't be Rishut HaRabim anymore. So therefore we are concerned that it might change. But if it's a public one, that the likelihood is that it's going to stay, remain stable until everyone is notified and everyone agrees. So therefore, you don't have to worry about pouring things out from the Shutei onto it because the situation will stay status quo until, you know, until uh, a community, the community changes it. And that is much more of a, a known thing than an individual changing their, uh, you know, cleaning out their garbage. Okay, so Bezad Hashem will continue.